Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, real quick, want to give a shout-out to James up in Stoneville, North Carolina. He's a friend of the show. Hell, he's a friend of the family now. We were able to go ahead and help his family recently save more than $1,200 a month. Really think about this. My man, Robbie didn't save $1,200 one time. He's going to save it each and every month, all because he went to save with Conrad.com. He left us a five-star review earlier this week. And he said this from the first phone call with Christian, all the hard work Diane put in Jennifer taking time to explain things and help me understand where we were at with the deal right up to Steve, helping me get this survey through nothing but professionalism all around dealing with first family has helped us to the point we've cut $1,200 a month off our bills. I can't say enough about the team Conrad has assembled. I highly recommend first family to anyone looking to purchase or refinance their home. Thanks to Conrad and the entire first family team. No, thank you, James, for the great review and congratulations on saving 1200 bucks a month. And oh, by the way, you can skip your next two house payments. It's real folks. Save with Conrad.com can help you. We're licensed in more than 40 States, but if you've got credit card debt, If you're looking to save money on your monthly payments, if you're looking to pay your house off faster or even buy a house with no money down, savewithconrad.com is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. That's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, you don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me, what exactly is adfreeshows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts like Click This with Kevin Nash, Gentleman Villain with William Regal, Oh, You Didn't Know with Brian James, and others. But yes, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week, early with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Want some more cheese on that Whopper? AdFreeShows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Eric Fires Back, Idol Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at adfreeshows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com. is the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now. Adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, your friend and my Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? 
Oh, Conrad Thompson, you know, we both got kids. You know, when your baby is not feeling well and got a little nasal tone, you just start right off the bat with a little sympathy. Uh, just, I feel so bad for you. I just want to get you some warm milk and cookies. How are you feeling, pal? You don't Man, sound good. I'm under the weather. I got a cold. Uh, I got allergies kicking my butt. It usually happens every September. I was bragging to the wife a week ago. Hey, I made it a whole September. Not sick. Boom. I jinxed myself. Here I am. Uh, <laughs> you and I are recording on September 30th because you're going beaching, you son of a beach. Yeah, about, well, you're the one with the place. Uh, I don't have a place down there. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a place. Yep. Hey, okay. me up. what beach y'all going to, Daddy? Oh, God. If you, I didn't make, do you think I made the reservation? Uh, right beside Rosemary. Um, Santa Rosa? Seacrest. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, right, right in there. Look, well, I you, just you can't hide money. Look at you. Oh, that's that high cotton over there. Would you stop it? I, I go to like Gulf Shores. I go to Perdido Key. I go. I to, love Perdido Key. Beautiful. Yeah, but you're you're in that high rent district. That five thousand yeah. dollar a foot stuff. Oh well, I'm not going to give out your future home address, uh, but. Uh, Conrad, I'm glad that you have joined us today. It was, uh, I didn't know if you were going to have to call in the, the reliever, right-handed reliever, left-handed reliever. You see Aaron Judd, uh, hit that home run this week. I did. I was actually at the boot when it happened and they showed it on replays on every other station. We were watching, uh, AEW. Imagine that me in a bar or restaurant watching wrestling. With the yeah. sound down or up? With the sound down. Yeah. We're in public. Uh, but I wanted to keep up and by the way, we're going to circle back and talk about that, but they showed it replays. Cause it's like a bank of TVs at the bar area. And so they yeah. keep showing replays on all the other sta- stations. And so our dumb asses were over there thinking, did he hit four tonight? No, he hit the same one, but yes. they showed it over and over and over. And it wasn't survivor or any other uh, program that you requested. It was, was Aaron judge. It, it, that is a remarkable man. What a season he's had. I, I love the debate. When you hear uh, the Bonds McGuire discussion and everything that goes with that, and people are on one side of it, it's almost like politics. Like, I don't know. We're taking a left turn already. No, but- we're not. Listen, uh, we're dudes, right? A lot of dudes are listening to this. I've seen some people, like our pal up at Jimmy's Famous Seafood, said something like, Congratulations to Aaron Judge on tying seventh for the most home runs in a season. <laughs> Did he? I mean, listen. On some level, he's not wrong, but on another level, I think a lot of people take a look at those years and they consider those years with asterisks and maybe this isn't record breaking, but it sure did feel fun. It felt special. It gave us a reason to watch. I think it's good for baseball. What say you? It's just the ebb and flow of, of life, not just sports. It's, it's, it's like, how are you going to judge a you know ladies basketball when it was three on three uh it's which is uh, amazing when you look at how far the women's game has evolved or uh michael jordan pulling up those putting up those numbers in the 90s and how physical the game was it's just a different era and and look here's what i've always said so you got one argument so Bonds and McGuire were all juiced up, right? They could hit it farther. It, isn't that kind of the byline, the natural thing? It they is. Could, okay. Do we not think that that exact same substance wasn't being taken by the pitchers? 
Buddy, I'm so glad you said that because I, I've been friends for a long time with a former major league pitcher, and I won't say his name. But when all of this stuff first started to, you know, become popular again, and people were talking about it during the Bonds era, after McGuire and Sosa, but when when Bonds did it, when I brought it up to him, he started kind of laughing a little, and I said, "What's funny?" He goes, "Do you not think that the pitchers were juicing first? <laughs> It's, and I said, what? He goes, it's chicken in the egg, buddy. Like we felt like we had to do it in order to pitch to these guys, or they felt like they had to do it in order to hit off us. But the reality is it was happening on both sides the whole time. So while we're saying there's an asterisk, I have talked to players who say, well, and here's the other thing that nobody really talks about. And I don't pretend to know all the intricacies of major league baseball testing. But does HGH count? Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in professional wrestling and in professional sports who think, well, they can find this, but they can't find that. And it's sort of catch me if you can, is it not? Yeah, it's it. that's why it's so bizarre. On Twitter, do you follow? I think you do. I think it's called Super 70 Sports. I love that account. Yeah. He's great. But every now and then, he, he has some salty language, but there's some funny stuff. But you, I, I chuckle at the ones in the 1970s in the National Basketball Association, Pistol Pete Maravich, other of those guys, and they were, let me just say, they were doing more than experiment with recreational. I mean, yeah. their lifestyle was completely different. And there's guys putting up 30 and 40 at night under those conditions. Yeah. Now, it was self-induced, but still, it, it's just a different era. Now you look at a Tom Brady you know, at his age, but look at his skill set, and he's using his brain and the quarter attack quarterbacks are more protected. Poor Tua last night. I felt bad for him, but j- just all the things are going with it, but the era. So that's why, Hey man, I'm a sports junkie through and through. And I thought it's really cool for judge to hit it out. But the folks that get on their high horse and self-righteous and say, yes, this is, you got to discount McGuire and Sosa and bonds and all that. I just go, now, wait a minute. No, you don't. So good, fun, healthy discussion, pal. Let's talk about AEW this past week. Uh, when they first announced uh, earlier in the week, or maybe it was the end of last week, whenever it was, as you and I are recording this, Bandito is going to get a title shot against the new Ring of Honor champion. Man, I saw a whole bunch of fake outrage online from guys who were saying, who is this and why should we care? There's no rankings. There's no number one. Can I can't believe blah, blah, blah. Why is Bandito in the title picture? Well, we found out why Bandito is fucking badass. And if you've been paying attention for the last several years, going back to pro wrestling gorilla or all the great stuff he's done in ring of honor or this past summer, if you just listen to our pods and you saw Ric Flair's last match, you saw, wow, this dude is next level. He got a big platform. He got a big moment and Chris Jericho helped make a guy this past Wednesday night was textbook. How to make a guy Bravo to Chris Jericho. Congratulations to Bandito and Tony Khan built a lot of value in a character in a single shot, man. When wrestling's good, there ain't nothing better. And my wife who doesn't normally like wrestling, I said, Hey, you gotta just watch this one match. And she said at the end, I can't tell you how many times I've seen something for the very first time in this match. And that's what we've been talking about here on the program for the past several weeks. Tripla and Lucha Libre offer something different. And Bandito showed the world something different. 
he's a much bigger star on Thursday morning than he was Wednesday night. Congrats to all involved. You asking me a question? You mean comment? I've just things. Yeah. A lot of things were going through my mind uh, all this, and we'll get to Cauliflower Hourly Club in a minute. But because Lawler uh, alluded not on the stage, but to a different story with uh, Robert Gibson's brother Rick Gibson, what they had to do. There's a uh, an angle in a minute. I'll tell that story if you want me to. But you don't have to. I mean, you know my history that we we've covered it. Uh, not one, but two podcasts. The 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 Lucha Libre style. It is something that in 2002, launching TNA, X Division, well, you can't call it Lucha Libre. That's already been done. But the Lucha Libre influence in the X Division was very, very much uh, prevalent. Matter of fact, me and Conan did a story uh, line based on that. He was basically saying the X Division is is a ripoff of Lucha Libre. You go back to the 90s in WCW, Eddie and Ray and, Super Calo and Nietzsche, uh, Psychosis and Juventud Guerrero. I mean, down the line of line. Um, but I'm glad you referenced Chris Jericho. Blue. I, I mean, there, there, you could come up with a lot of different adjectives, but I'm going to tip my cap that. Let me think how, because I think context Timing, you alluded before the call, we were talking business. Timing is everything. Yeah. But when you kind of look at the, the 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 ebb and flow of AEW programming, a lot of times they front load their show. Putting Jericho Bandito on last and the, the style and the glue that Jericho did, and, and obviously, you know I'm a Bandito fan. He, he came through. Ric Flair's last match, uh, Oh, Mama Thompson is still raving about it. Oh, yeah. I, I just think the pieces of the puzzle and Tony making the decision to put that on last, I think that goes a long way because if they would have put this on at the top of the hour, uh, you know, to, to carry him through the hour or even uh, whatever it may be. But the last thing that happened on the show was Bandito. Yes, they did the little announcer ring of honor, which was good. But it push it putting it the last thing you see on the show, that's that that's that's the buzz. And I just think that when you format a show, thinking things through, what do, the last thing is what a lot of folks remember. And uh, yeah, hats off to all of them. But Bandito, um, you and me both know it. He's a, he's a he's a he, he's a a superstar. He's really really good. He's unbelievable, and you're going to see more of that unbelievable action at Triple Mania 30. It's coming up October 15th. Be here before you know it. Uh, so not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, and what a card it's going to be. Viano number four taking on Pentagon Jr. in Mask versus Mask. For the Mega Championship, El Hijo del Vikingo, who people are on fire for to be here in America. There's a rumor he's going to be at the Triple A show in Phoenix in December. And when he hits American soil, if you don't know who that is, you're about to learn, but you can see the biggest match he's ever been in against Phoenix for the mega championship, October 15th, Pagano versus Cybernetico, two hardcore guys, almost think of like Terry Funk coming into ECW here. And it's sort of generational hardcore guy versus the other hair versus hair. How about this for the ladies strap Taya versus Camille, uh, two big ladies who are going to get down and show you a totally different type of female wrestling. How about the trios championships? This is probably going to be something. Everybody's going to be clipping up. You got psycho clown, the radio kid and bandito on one side, Johnny Caballero, who we all know is Johnny nitro or Johnny, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, Brian Cage and Sam Adonis. Uh, and they're just two thirds of the six mans. Then you got the number one contender for the tag straps. I mean, there's something for everybody, including like a Marvel match because yes, triple a or triple a actually has the Marvel license in Mexico. So if you're, if you're new to wrestling in Mexico, maybe you're not sure if your kids are going to be into it. They're going to love this, uh, triple mania coming to you October 15th. You can order it on fight or anywhere else. Uh, I'll be there in person. I know you're you're busy that day, but I'll get you a fight link so you can take a look. And I got uh, one, pal. I got one. I'm grandfathered in. I wanted to mention. Uh, I, I, I planned. I had every opportunity to be in uh, Vegas. We we sponsored a booth, bought a table, the whole deal. And then, oh, as you can tell, I'm sick as hell and was not able to make the trip. So I missed Conan getting his big induction. I missed Lawler getting his big induction. I missed Layfield getting his big induction. Would have loved to have been there for all that, but mostly would have loved to have been there to see you accept an award posthumously on behalf of your grandmother, Teeny. How was your cauliflower alley club experience? What can you share with us? I stood on the stage. That was my first experience. And look, I've heard about the cauliflower alley club for years and years. And, you know, everybody has something in their mind, what to expect, you know, walking into that, massive ballroom and it's full and you know of 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 not just wrestling fans but fans that appreciate history and that's at their forefront it it was it, it was it was i hate to say this heartwarming but of course you know the names Kevin Sullivan JJ Dillon Ricky and Robert Lawler Jimmy Hart uh, gosh, I could, I mean, there were so many uh, other guys that I got to see. I got to see Owen's brother, Ross, uh, e- even Karen wasn't aware. She's like, yeah. And I said, so in chronological order, it went Ross, then Diana, who was married to Davy boy, then Owen. So Owen was the baby, but Ross and Ross, uh, Ross and Owen were real close in age. When I got, w- he walked past me and we did a double take, obviously, you know, we surprised each other. Conrad, it made me feel so good to have a good conversation with him. And we caught up on so many different things. So it was awesome. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but, you know, uh, accepting that award, it goes without saying, and I said it, uh, I don't think I'll get emotional today, uh, but uh, I've gone process all that. But, you know, my grandmother holds um, a real special place uh, in a lot of folks' hearts, I found out, but I, I was aware of that. But, you know, when I went and, and, and I flew out there, Conrad, and um, putting my notes together uh, for what I was going to say uh, and, and, and the you know, give the speech and all that and going through dates, it, she was 23 when she took that second job selling records of tickets. And she was – and um, so uh, my aunt, so my teeny, had, had two kids, my dad and, and, a, and a daughter. So my aunt Carolyn, she was there, and I kind of rechecked some notes, and she goes, Jeff, when she went out into the workforce, she was the breadwinner, not only for me and and your father, you know, her teeny and her two kids, but she's one of five kids. She's the middle child. She was the breadwinner for her brothers and sisters and her parents and kids. She was the one that had, you know, and the, the, the theme of my speech, Conrad, I won't re-say it, but it was about responsibility. That's what Teeny, you know, if I had to drill it down into one thing, she taught me responsibility, that you are responsible for your life, your decisions, it's on you. And and she was the one out of, 
you know, again, one, one of five that she took responsibility to provide not just for, for herself and her kids, but her parents and her, her siblings and to work her way out of. And I said, how would you classify your family? And I don't want to say it wrong. Is it lower middle class? Is it upper low class or whatever it may be? She goes, we never went without a meal, but we came awful close lots and lots of times. So I said, okay, you care if I kind of frame it that way? And she said, no, go to right. So that was the picture. And at 31 years of age, you just think about Conrad. She Columbia, Tennessee, 45 miles south of Nashville. That was her town. So she was the promoter of record for Nick Goulis at 31 years of age. And in her 40s, she started running Louisville or, or taking care of it. She was the promoter of record, became friends with Cornette's mom, Thelma, uh, Louisville and Evansville and Lexington and, you know, all through the night. Anyway, I could go on and on. And I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up. But Conrad, it was a really, really special night. I am so glad. Um, that I got got to be there. Um, I got to see Lawler and he was a great storyteller and he told his stories and Ricky and Robert did a great job and Tommy Wildfire Rich, Doug Gilbert inducted him and Tommy Tommy's Tommy, man. If you closed your eyes and, and heard him say a couple of lines, it took me right back to Georgia championship wrestling. And uh, he talked about timing and cable TV and Ted Turner and, taking a walk down memory lane in so many ways. And, um, you know, as, uh, as the night wore on, there were two seats next to me, Conrad, and I'll go ahead and finish with this story because I still feel so bad about it. Well, well listen, before you do, I just want to say, I, I know that as much fun and pride as you felt and certainly Karen felt just hearing everybody go on and on and talk about the importance of Memphis wrestling and women in wrestling and specifically his own mother. I know for sure that your dad was just loving every minute of it, just eating it up. I mean, talking about the history of wrestling and how important it was and his own mom, your dad had to be just beaming at your elbow. This had to be almost like confirmation of everything that he's worked for in his life. And I just hate that I wasn't there to just look over and see your dad grinning like a possum through this whole thing. Well, I actually, Conrad, you think you hate it. I hate it multiples of that because uh, the ballroom uh, up the tables up front, uh, you know, they were all spread out, but across the front row, there were two seats next to me. <laughs> you talk about you hate not getting to see him grin like a Cheshire cat. I, I did as well because the two seats open next to me is – I went up and did my speech and came back. And then that's when I, you know, literally started texting away to Karen. Call my dad. Call my step. Wait, what do you mean? He was not there. I said he was not in the room. He was in Vegas. He wasn't in the room, Conrad. And I just kind of like, you know, the, the cocktail hour started at five. Of course, he's going to miss that. Uh, dinner started at six. He's could give her, you know, he, he eat when he wants to. And I'm like, okay, he's kind of missing. The award started at seven. We accepted the second award. There's a great journalism award. Greg Oliver presented uh, Steve Johnson. It was, it was really a cool night, but um, so I accepted the award and went through all that and uh, did the photo ops and all that. And I sat back down and picked my phone back up. Cause I didn't take it with me on stage. And, um, I went to call and I said, Karen, call dad. 
call Deborah. Make sure, and she's just like, "What? They're not there." So anyway, she called and called and called, and finally, Deborah, my stepmother, pick up the phone. Hello. What? And Karen was like, "Deborah, are you asleep?" She said, "Yes. We've had such a long day." Conrad, they slept through the awards. Oh my gosh. They flew to Vegas to take a nap. <laughs> well, hold on. So, <laughs> so uh, they, my dad was sorry. He wrote it down wrong in his calendar. And, you know, I, I had it in my calendar from six months ago, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then when it got close, I put in Tuesday at six o'clock. Well, he didn't get that memo. And, uh, he was thinking it was the, cause they had a Q and a about my grandmother on Wednesday at one. And then the awards banquet where Conan and JBL and others accepted the awards on Wednesday night. He thought it was a Wednesday night deal. So the best part of the story, if there is on this part is so Ricky and Robert all through their speech, they gave Jerry Jarrett shout out after shout out. Great story. And Jimmy Hart did it a couple of times. Tommy rich looked right over at me and said, well, I got to look at you because if your daddy ain't here, but I got to say it, if Jerry Jarrett, would not have seen something in me. There ain't a chance in hell I'd be on this stage. Matter of fact, there's not a chance in hell I'd be even in the business. Tommy's originally from Hendersonville, this hometown. So um, Tommy really gave, and Ricky and Robert did too. And Ricky was really special because Ricky said this story that uh, when Nick uh, and, and my dad had their split, Paul Morton was a Nick Goulas guy. He ref for Nick Goulas. He pulled the ring for Nick Goulas. He was a Nick Goulas guy. And when Paul had kind of run his course, uh, you know, Ricky's in high school, Paul and my father and my dad's like, hell yeah, Baldy. That's what they called him. Come work. And so my grandmother always loved uh, Paul Morton. So, you know, Paul Morton came to work for the Jarrett's and Ricky's like, it was, it, it touched him. Yes. Because of the history between Lawler and my dad and rock and roll express and the formation of that gimmick, everything. But the the fact that Ricky said these words, Christine Jarrett made a dream come true for my father, and I'll never forget it. That was kind of that hit me. That hit me. It, it was it was emotional. But uh, before Lawler went up, he was the last one of the night to accept an award. I went up, went down, jumped down two tables, and I said, "Hey, Jerry, I I I, I think I'm gonna throw this in your court, but we got a ballroom full of folks, and they've alluded to my old man over here." time after time after time about Memphis wrestling. He goes, yeah, what the F is going on? And I said, you ready for this King? He just looked at me and I said, he slept through it. They're in Vegas, but they ain't in this room. He said, Oh my God. I said, Jerry, you cover it however you want. So Jerry, as you can imagine, eloquently let the room know that he's asleep, but then he went into some cool stories. And it, I mean, Conrad, the whole night was really, really special. And I didn't expect that. I, I had a vision in my mind of what Cauliflower Alley Club was, and it has uh, – I don't think that'll be my one and only appearance. It was really, really cool, really, really special. President Brian Blair and uh, my cousin, uh, which is my first cousin, his mom um, uh, was – you know, it, Br Brennan Martin, it, it, he wrote the book, but he also um, – is the one who inducted me and, and he's in a lot of ways it's become a life passion 
my grandmother's in a couple of different hall of fames, but writing that book and he's a historian on it. So it's a special night, Conrad. Uh, we probably need to get to our topic here, but, uh, it was really, really cool. But before we do, I want to remind everybody, you can't believe this is real tonight on vice tales from the territories when wrestling was real, the Bifa story, it airs tonight on vice, go out of your way to watch it. It's the uh, creators, here, huh? Yeah, creators the dark side of the ring, and uh, Seven Bucks Production, The Rock, and Danny Garcia, his former wife, and of course friend of the show, Brian Gewertz, as uh, Doc Hendricks would call him. They put together something pretty special. I had a chance to see it ahead of time. I know you haven't had a chance to review it yet, but I sent you a link, and I think you're going to love it, man. There's some stories in there that. Folks are just not going to believe, and uh, you and I love old Memphis nostalgia, and I'm still trying to learn more about it, but you lived it, and you're all over it, and I think fans will get a, a kick out of it, so be sure to tune in tonight on Vice. I was a kid in the candy shop, flew down to Atlanta, and knowing that Dutch, my father, and Lawler, and uh, Jimmy Hart, I was literally a fan. I was a fanboy that got to sit amongst four guys that – um Fascinating stories. You know, I want you to understand what a damn diva Jeff Jarrett is. Oh, here we go. You might not have heard it, but if you were listening closely, flew down to Atlanta. My man lives in Hendersonville, Tennessee. You're you're a prick. That's That's less than a five-hour drive. You are absolutely an Alabama fan. My God, Jeff. Flew? Flew 200 miles, bro? What are you... Oh, I bet he asked for no brown M&Ms either. Look at this guy. Big star. I see how it is. You got a detour. We Everything was going night. You know what it is? You know what it is? Flew down to Atlanta. Rocky Top got a win against them Florida Gators, and now reality has set in. Hey, you know, we, you talked about it a minute ago, and I know we're, we're filibustering, and I don't feel well, and we probably shouldn't be doing it because I'm going to peter out now. But Tua is a topic right now and it's a topic thanks in part to friend of the show chris nowinski who i think the world of had an opportunity to meet for the first time and was so honored to have the right to do so a couple of years ago at uh top guy weekend he stopped by and it was fantastic to meet him knowing what he's done for cte and concussion protocol not just in wrestling but all over the world in every aspect of sports events and we saw Tua a couple of weeks ago get his bell rung pretty good. He was out for a series and then was back in, finished the game. The Dolphins won. But there was a moment where he got up, started running, and then just fell down. And a lot of people saw that and thought, oh, that ain't good. And then, of course, as you and I are recording this, he was slung down really hard on the Thursday night game against the Bengals. He clearly hit his head. And when they rolled him over, his arms were posed in front of his face in a way that lets you know, man, he's gone. He's out. And he had to be stretchered off. And they say he went straight to the hospital, but traveled back with the team afterwards. As you and I are recording, we don't know the latest and greatest, but boy, a lot of people are saying we should have known better. This is a shame that this happened in 2022. And this is not a football podcast, but it's Chris Nowitzki leading the conversation about this. CTE has been a topic in wrestling for a long, long time. Were you surprised to see a 
that the Dolphins allowed him to play, or B, the response online from seeing what we saw with Tua having his second head injury, supposedly it looks like, and we're not his doctor, we don't know, but it looks as if he's had two concussions in less than a week. You know how life, and I never want to blame it on the industry, but at times it can jade you. I watched, I was watching that, that, uh, uh, dolphins when, when, when he went down, uh, the week before and, uh, it was a break in moment. Hey, this happened. And then whatever it was, uh, it went to the in-laws. I mean, Titans game was over. I, I don't remember all the particulars, but I didn't realize till late that night watching the highlights that Tua came back in the game. Yeah. I immediately went, Oh, flag on the play here. There, there ain't no way a guy can collapse because I don't think my man Tua is uh, doing the Fred Sanford. I don't think he's working. I mean, you know, no. they just. I mean, I just like how did he get back in the game? And then they said, "Oh no, it was a drop foot or a back or something like that," which kind of went okay. The NFL, there's no way they're going to play with this dynamite. So maybe it was. That's why he did fall. It was like a a, a back deal. And then, as we're recording this last night, so when I watched on the Bengals, here's my theory, Conrad. I didn't see it real time. I At first, the first time I saw it was in slow motion. Uh, Karen's like, hey, watch this. Anyway, they were showing it in slow motion. But when I went back and watched it in real time, and then online on Twitter, there's some online clips. Do you know where I think the next damage was? What? That big old defensive lineman, and what's two of around 200 pounds, regardless. They're crazy strong. Like uh, I've referenced Mongo before. It's a different kind of strength, upper body strength that you, they just, they're, they're a different species offensive and defensive lineman with their upper body strength because they battle each other. When he grabbed Tua and yanked him around the waist, I think that it's, it's like, I'll call it a simple whiplash. Uh, I think that's where the damage was like, his momentum was carrying him one way and he got yanked around the waist another way. And I think that he whipped his head. And I think because I don't think his head hit as bad. And I also think that he was from a body perspective, uh, bracing more for it because he was already headed in that direction, but he was zigging and that uh, defensive lineman wrapped him around the waist that was some serious whiplash and th- that is, you know, your, your, they, you know, your brain and I'm not an expert, but your brain uh, has fluid around it and that's how it protects itself before it hits the skull. But if you yank it quick enough, the brain actually hits into the skull. And then that's where that temporary paralysis is a uh, nasty man. That Here's was- what I'm asking. There's lots of talk that depending on how bad this is, if this costs him a season, this cost him his career lawsuits will be filed. A lot of people think the organization will be found at fault. A lot of people think their coaching staff will be found at fault. Others say it'll be their medical staff. Even more people are saying, Hey, this is not just a lawsuit against the dolphins and their staff or their organization, but perhaps against the NFL. Now I know a lot of our listeners think, what the fuck does this have to do with wrestling? Hear me out. If a precedent is set here where they cleared him, they allowed him to go, 
now there is some sort of loss of income or loss of quality of life and there are damages and you're supposed to be protecting us and you didn't, if that happens in football, it's going to be on the radar of every wrestling company in the world. Is it not? Isn't it already? Well, I don't know that you can look back and say so-and-so was sued for such and such as of yet. Certainly. I think there are conversations about, you know, what's happened and why it happened and should we do better and be better. But I don't know that anyone has been, that there's been a payout in that regard. A payout. Okay. I got you. But I know, like, I know there's been, you know, a band of guys with a certain lawyer and they go sue every few years. I get that. But this is so high profile. I think this is different. This could set a precedent. I'm not saying it will, but it could. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, well, human error. So where was the human error made? Who swept it under? If I'm not, okay, we're already incriminating, but if something was swept under the rug. Responsibility, accountability, teeny. Was it done on purpose? Yeah. What was it maliciously done? Was it win at all costs mentality, or or are they going to have? Hey, well, this is the test he passed, and this is the test he passed, and um, I think human. I said it a little bit earlier, but I think high caliber athletes are. It's just they're not only genetically different. I think mentally they're different, and Tua. Did he, uh, was he a hundred percent honest? So I'm not trying to put it on him. I'm right. just saying, yeah, we don't, we don't know all, as you and I are sitting here, we don't know all the details. There's so awesome many things. layers of everything. I, I think when you look at our industry, uh, and you can name multiple people that have retired or, or let me say this, either Brian Danielson, edge sting. There's a couple of folks that have been, Nope, you're on the shelf. You no longer can participate. I think. WWE a lot of times have aired in the in the in the direction of super 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 cautious. Um, I just wonder what the 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 facts that will come out. How did he? I want to know how he got back in the game. Not you know, a week ago, ten days ago. How did he get back in that game? The facts were clear. He fell on the fell out. I, I, I mean, the, his offensive lineman had to come help him. How did he, how did he come back on the field? I, I, I think that if I'm investigating, which I'm not, <laughs> I'd well, love to. Here's where I was getting to. I wonder if there will be far reaching effects for this in football. I, w- I mean, not, not football, but wrestling. I wonder like we know, l- let me back that up. We don't know, but we read online because I, I don't, I've never even met him, but Adam Cole is not wrestling right now because he has a concussion issue. That's what I've read. I'm not saying it's true. I don't know. I'm not trying to violate HIPAA shit. I'm just saying, I don't know. That's what I read. I'm saying all that to say, do you think that will change? Like from a wrestling approach, do wrestling companies want to assume all the liability? Do they involve third party companies? Will the contracts change? You know, realistically, once a guy has a, a concussion, Based on the reading I've done, and this could be wrong too, because we're we're all still learning, you're more susceptible to get another one. And you read that enough and you realize guys like maybe Chuck Liddell, his career was cut short because he got one too many too soon, too close together. There's been lots of 
conjecture about that in the MMA space. But it does make me wonder, will this have an effect where wrestling companies want to insulate themselves from this liability? And as a result, will they change the contracts in terms of, Hey, if you can't, if you can't work and we can't use you because you've been a victim of this and you're more susceptible to it. Now we're going to reduce your rate. And a lot of people listening to this say, well, that's not fair. It's not the guy's fault. Well, it's not the company's fault either. No one, no one says, let's go get them a concussion today. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times people on, on this conversation online, social media folks always approach it from a talent perspective, never from a company perspective. And I'm not saying one's more important than the other, but I'm saying the wrestler didn't intend to get a concussion. Well, guess what? The office didn't want him to get one either. They've invested money in this guy. They want him every week. I'm not suggesting that that needs to change. I'm saying if you're trying to insulate yourself from potential damages for concussions and you want to protect everybody, do you measure twice and cut once? Excellent thought to ponder. Do you think it, it makes its way to Japan? I don't know that culture. I, 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 I'm, I'm an American that believes I look at it. No, I look at it through an American lens. I, I don't know. My gut tells me no. Yeah, it just feels like it's a bigger topic. Again, you and I don't live there. Admittedly, yep. we don't read a bunch of Japanese media, but it does feel like you and I read more about this type of conversation here in America than we do uh, overseas anywhere. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious what is there going to be a precedent set? Will this affect wrestling? How will it affect wrestling? Will it change the way contracts are done? Will it change the way testing is done? Will there be more third parties? Because here's my thing at the end of the day, and boy, I'm going to piss some people off. You know, there's more to life than wrestling and football. I don't want to see anyone's quality of life be permanently changed for rather temporary situation in the scheme of things. 10 years from now, 10 months from now, 10 weeks from now, will anyone give a shit about the Bengals versus the Dolphins that happened this past Thursday? No, they just won't. That was just a game. This is a real man's life. And I hope he's okay. And I hope he's protected. And that's not because he's a Bama boy. It's just, it's the one that's front and center for everybody to have the conversation about. But it's, you know, but I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know that that's part of it. You accept those risks when you get into it. You know what's possible. You knew when you became a wrestler, and there's a chance I get pretty banged up here. There's a chance I get hurt and this doesn't go well. There's a chance I could be, you know, hurting, getting around later in life. And we've all seen those stories, and we don't want that to happen. I do understand that you have to assume the risk, but I think the promotions now, if they're sued here, the NFL and the team, I think a lot of wrestling promotions have to say, hey, could that happen to us? What do we need to do here? I just think it's a bigger conversation moving forward than it has been in recent years. Well, and I'm probably uh, stating the obvious, but the things that, you know, jumped off, you know, the Owen Hart situation, lots of feelings into that. But at the end of the day, that was an accident. 100%. 100%. Draws. That was an accident. 100%. Last night, Tua getting wrapped around the waist and whiplashed and thrown to the ground. By design, that was the effort of that defensive line because he's been coached, taught, 
and that's he executed exactly what he's supposed to do. Yes, he I did. don't, I don't, we're, we're no, we're, we're definitely not comparing apples to apples. Here. Our, our job is sports entertainers or professional wrestlers are state the obvious. I know you had to fill in the blanks better than I do on the football field. That's where, you know, they are doing everything in their power. And, and gosh, when you hear Peyton Manning and others talk about that, you know, the, the levels that they go to protect the quarterbacks because they're the ratings legit. They're the, you know, this Sunday night, Mahomes against Brady. Think about the numbers that's going to draw. Yeah. Not, not because it's the Chiefs and the Bucks, quarterback against quarterback. When you start seeing these numbers come in week after week after week, I think that Tennessee Alabama game will be the highest rated college football game of the season to date when it happens. It, it, it just is, it, and they're going to build it up. So the ratings driver, what is the ratings about? It's about the money. So I, I, by design in professional wrestling, you got to keep whether you're a curtain jerker or the main event. The object is to be able to perform the next night, the next night, the next night. Football's not that way. So I think we're having two different conversations, but I see where you're going with it. Healthy conversation, Connie, healthy conversation. Well, listen, I want to say again, I hope that, you know, we're, we're looking out for the talent and I hope that Tua is okay. And I hope that he has a hall of fame career and continues his path of success. And by the way, I only mentioned his name because we mentioned it earlier. I hope Adam Cole does too. I mean, I don't think we've seen the best of Adam Cole. I can't wait to see what's next for him. And I hope he's feeling Again, we're both not Japanese promoters. Why did you reference that? I'm curious. I, I'll pick your brain on this just a little bit. We're getting really uh, well. We're not, we're not getting to Bound for Glory 07 this episode. I can just tell you that right the, now. The 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 style that they work. Yeah. Uh, it feels like you know. I had a conversation with someone in the business who you and I are friends with, and we were trying to put together matches for Ric Flair's last match. What about this guy? What about that guy? I'm talking with the talent about who would he like to wrestle? And I said, well, I mean, new Japan's in town and this particular wrestler didn't want to do that. And I was kind of taken aback because I thought, well, it's not, I expected to hear. So, you know, me being me, I just can't help, but be curious and say, Hey, I totally respect your decision. Can I ask why? Shut me up, daddy. I hear you. <laughs> I can hear that. You yeah. Frame- Hey man, I'm curious, uh, any reason why I'm or can you just educate me on that? Why you don't like that idea? And he just said straight up, I don't want to get dumped on my head. I take concussion stuff very seriously. And I thought, well, no, that's a little unfair, but it was insinuated that it, it's sort of damn the torpedoes devil may. And I was like, well, that's not my impression of it. Uh, but, but again, I consume all the big shows. But whether it's fair or not, and I don't believe it's fair, that wasn't that's kind of what they look for. And I've even heard people talk about like Dr. Death Steve Williams, where he would say in interviews, man, those guys wanted to be dumped on their head. They thought it was like a badge of honor. Now again, this was a different time. You know, once upon a time guys would feel the same way about taking a chair shot over the top of the head in ECW. Oh, don't get your hands up, pussy. That's not what a real man does, or whatever nonsense. And, and so it doesn't surprise me that that existed in Japan, but I, I don't know culturally, you know, I'm still learning about Mexico. I've only been to Japan one time. And by the way, new Japan is a totally first class organization 
And I know for sure that they have protocols and steps in place and, and things like that, because I've been privy to cancellations and, uh, well, this guy can't wrestle. He's dealing with that or this or whatever, but I don't know just in the culture is CTE a topic of conversation the way it is here because football is by and large, oh, for lack of a better word, an American sport. And a, oh, lot exactly of, and a lot of the CTE conversation that happens here in America started with a situation in Pittsburgh with a former Steeler, and now it's just gained momentum from there. So I want to be clear. I'm not casting uh, New Japan or Mexico or um, anywhere in any sort of negative light. I'm just saying, as far as I know, a lot of this CTE conversation happens here in America. And I don't know that it's made as big of a splash everywhere else, but I feel like if there are major ramifications from what we saw from Tua from a financial piece, from a headline piece, I think it touches all corners of the world at that point. It's no longer a quote unquote football thing. You know what I mean? I do. And, and, uh, I, for whatever reason, as you were sitting there talking about that, the game of America, it's definitely, I mean, I was in Australia, Australian rules football. Uh, also uh, rugby is on internationally a lot when you travel. And when you see those games, Conrad, they, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. They are so physical. And I often thought way back when, how the hell do these guys, they got no pads on. They, you know, all, well, the game is different. It, it, it is American football. Hey, we're going to put, you know, thigh pads on and knee pads on, and we're going to put shoulder pads on, and we're going to, you know, uh, all of these pads, pads, pads. Oh, we're going to put a helmet on. So that means we're Superman, we're Teflon. In that, that's what the NFL's tried to 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 really back out of is just because you got a helmet on, you can't use it as a weapon. But it's the it's it's the facade that 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 um, just just a handful of years ago, one of the highest rated segments on SportsCenter and ESPN was where they would show guys just getting their damn clocks cleaned. Yes, one after another, and we would celebrate it and laugh and rewind and point. And, Nobody wanted to be, you know, in basketball for years, you would posterize dudes. So Michael Jordan would jump over a dude and make sure his nuts were in that guy's face. And then they'd put it on a basketball card or a poster. And you didn't want to be the guy with Michael Jordan's wiener by your head. That was not where you wanted to be. Well, then in football, man, for 20 years, we would celebrate and we would all chant along with the jacked up. We're celebrating when guys are suffering head trauma. And now of course we've learned and they're not doing that anymore. And thank God, but we didn't know. And I just feel like, man, this could be another major moment where we talk about what we've all seen and collectively all agreed it's gone too far. And it does make me wonder, man, what's that going to do for wrestling? Not just here in America, but everywhere. Because as I said, I think it's mostly just been an American football issue. Well, uh, uh, the thought (laughs) I just, I'm sure you watch uh, Rush, Russell botch from times and, yeah. and some of those others and some of those botches, uh, whether it's okay. Shockmaster coming through that never gets old. Nobody was hurt. Nobody's damaged. No, they, funny, funny is funny, but not funny. when somebody's getting hurt. Yeah. I was going to say, when you see moves gone bad or backyard wrestling, or even like the bills mafia, they do some of that crazy shit. Oh, this is great. Hey, we're going to tailgate. We're going to get hammered. And then we're going to jump off a bus 
I mean, that's concussion waiting to happen. Yeah. It's funny how society is, is, uh, how it accepts it. Completely different set of rules today. That's, uh, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Well, listen, I hope that, uh, I hope negative concussions back in the territory days. I was just sitting there thinking that, yeah, it's, it's just, Everything, one thing's for sure, change is always going to happen. 20 years ago, well, man, I'm old now. 30 years ago, when I was playing football, we just said, you got your bell rung. Yep. And you go out for a play. But I remember, I mean, I remember smelling sauce being used in junior and high school football. Like, a guy got knocked out. We'll just wave this under his nose. He'll wake up, bring him out for a play, and he'll be fine. What? Yeah. And that was, that wasn't like a rare thing that was, and you know, we would play bull in the ring and the goal was to you're hurting people. That was the goal. And now it's like, okay, it's yeah. not just a, I mean, I remember I had a coach who would knock his damn dick in the dirt. We're 12, bro. I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> I appreciate that. But like, yeah, that was the level of where it was. And now it's changed and I'm glad it's changed. And I think everybody agrees it's better than it changed, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think this could be a major moment. I, and I hope it's a positive change because we've seen a lot of that. We're heading in the right direction. Interesting, but Tennessee balls are still going to kick Alabama's ass. We're, we're, when, we, when that week comes up, buddy, get ready. Buddy, it's next week. It's next week. No, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can remember where this is airing. It's, I won't be able to watch with you. I was going to say, because normally it's the third Saturday in October, so that's usually like, you know, the 20th or something. But this year, it's October 15th. So I'll actually be in Mexico City because I wanted to be sitting at your elbow and oh, talking to all kinds of trash. Okay. He's another <laughs> laying another brick in the promotion that you're starting. Congrats, pal. I don't know about all that. I'm just saying I was I was hopeful that you would be there, but you're unavailable and booked somewhere else. So I will be FaceTiming you from Mexico. Okay. With Fair a enough. giant with a giant unlit cigar, which is the tradition when we stomp your ass. And I just want to remind everybody as I'm speaking with so much confidence that that our man Cody, uh Jeff's lovely son, sixteen years old, and he has not in his entire life seen the Tennessee volunteers beat Alabama. <laughs> He may have YouTube something from the eighties. Oh he, no, we stomped. We we kicked ass. When was that? Back uh, in black and white film days. Oh, stop it. Stop yeah. it. Time to tell you about Rectech, an amazing company that offers wood pellet grills fueled by all natural hardwood pellets, along with other outdoor lifestyle products like coolers, apparel, grill accessories, and more. They've got grills ranging from three ninety nine to three grand. So your entry level to boy, we're in competitions. Rectech has grills for every lifestyle and every budget with a key focus on flavor, convenience, and versatility. Their factory direct pricing eliminates the middleman and all grills ship free. Plus all Rectech pellet grills come made with high quality stainless steel that's built to last a lifetime. Now the flagship model for Rectech is the RT 700. You've got a 40 pound pellet hopper, 702 square inches of cooking space, the PID Wi-Fi controller, where you can control your temperature, you can turn your grill on, you can turn it off, you can turn it up, you can turn it down, and a six-year bumper-to-bumper warranty. 
With a Rectech, you can bake, smoke, sear, grill, even dehydrate on the grill, all with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. So it's time to toss that tasteless gas grill, that messy charcoal grill, or even that overhyped brand name grill aside and join an elite wood pellet grilling family by focusing on flavor, convenience, versatility. Rectech sets the new standard in grilling. Visit Rectech.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q. Use that promo code Jarrett to get 5% off site-wide. Now, remember, that's 5% off their top-notch wood pellet grills. They're one-of-a-kind Rectech icer coolers. Their chef-tested rubs, the sauces, the accessories, the merchandise, everything is 5% off at Rectech.com when you use the promo code Jarrett. Rectech is the real deal. I was maybe a little skeptical. What's going to make this different? quickness i cooked on it three times in 24 hours it is the real deal folks you don't have to mess up your stove and it's quick you can punch it uh i cannot speak highly enough i'll i'll i will say that that i am rectech as mr bischoff would say for life what companies would you want to work for just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good companies like bank of america which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal, Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Let's talk about why we're here now that we filibustered for a freaking hour. Uh, yeah, this is the biggest show for TNA. You know, this is essentially the WrestleMania for TNA bowed for glory. The build, the sting and angle of the main event starts on September 13th. It's built around Karen in the beginning and her character starts to really emerge and we're coming right out of no surrender. Jay lethal scoring the biggest win of his career. Jay lethal has pinned Kurt angle. Uh, and then he loses to Christopher Daniels on TV to set up a title match at bowed for glory. In hindsight, was this stop and start with Jay? Was Jay ready to level up here, or was it just not the direction we were headed at the top? Setting up, totally setting up for Daniels and, and Lethal. Uh, Daniels, uh, you know, a pillar, if you will, of the X Division. And it was just, you know, uh, Jay had a lot of momentum even before the Kurt win. He was really coming into his own. And, and of course, uh, Daniels, uh, you know, it, it's all in the setup. You know, as I kind of read to, to 30,000 viewpoint, looking at this research, man, so many things started out like, oh, I forgot that. And we're going to get into this. And the Karen Kurt Sting storyline, uh, a lot of the backstage drama, which I had no idea until I went into the research that this was all, all this stuff was so public at the time. Um, you know, as uh, uh, the timing of all this, uh, so, you know, some of the dark periods, um, uh, the girls, my girls had lost their mother in May and this is September, October, you know, when, as the kids got, I would just remember the kids going back into school that first time, uh, lots of juggling. It was the first for a lot of things, not a lot of fun. Um, the, we went two hours, uh, from one to two hours, which was 
a monumental day internally in so many ways for Panda and Dallas. We'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, but the setup, and I'll say the, the setup for, for Bound for Glory, it just felt like, okay, we're not going to revolutionize our programming overnight. Man, going from one to two hours was going to give so many more guys opportunities. It wasn't a cure-all, but man, in the growth process, and I knew that live events were going to pick up a little bit more and a little bit more, uh, but it was a fun time uh, from a business perspective in a lot of ways to be uh, in the company. And uh, here we are. This is Conrad. Uh, we've, yeah, 15-year anniversary, 15 years later, and we're talking about their app. Bizarre, huh, pal? It is crazy. Hey, let me ask this. So the best of your recollection and understanding, were y'all profitable in 07? Were you making money? Yes. Yeah. We, we had, because, uh, like I said, when we went from, when we got on spike, uh, we were profitable on the one hour. It just, it, it fundamentally shifted everything, but our, our, our budgets were so much lower and then hiring of talent and everything that came with it. Again, action figures and some licensing situations and our international product was growing. Uh, so, you know, but when we went from one to two hours, uh, more than doubling our licensing fee, but not anywhere close to doubling our talent uh, at this point, it was pre-Hogan, uh, we weren't doubling our talent uh, uh, budget. So, yes, this is, this is when the Carter family started making, and everything's relative. But uh, in those days, a lot of money. So let's talk about Samoa Joe and Christian. We're building towards Bound for Glory. It's Christian Tomko and Styles cutting a promo on Matt Morgan. Um, Morgan and Joe are going to clear the ring of the heels. Morgan announces he's the enforcer at the pay-per-view. But now, in hindsight, it almost feels like AJ's kind of positioned as a, a bit player. Does it feel like as you bring in some of these other talents. We're about to talk about how junior Fatu's coming in. The former Rikishi's coming in. You're bringing in a lot of legacy WWE talent. Does AJ unfortunately become a victim in some of that and, and take a back seat? And, and I don't know. It just feels like he could have been the guy the entire time, but with this influx of new talent, much like when a franchise drafts, a, a number one draft pick as a quarterback, you kind of feel like, well, paying him a bunch of money, got to use him. So on the depth chart, AJ moves. Is that right? I never looked at that that way. I've always viewed um, AJ specifically. Yes, Daniels and Bobby Roode and Eric and others that came along through the years. But AJ was, it was all kind of by design. Now, Kurt's a different story, J just in the hiring, the positioning, carrying the banner, waving the flag. But AJ, in my opinion, was always the guy. Now, whether it's Vince Russo, there were times Dixie Carter got down on AJ in a lot of ways. I know Hulk and Eric did. Uh, I mean, we could go through kind of the iteration, but AJ was a guy that was he going to be in every main event? No. Was he ever actually going to be in every pay-per-view, every semi-main event, but it was never like, we're going to minimize him because we've got to got to give this guy TV time. Uh, you know, Jay Riso, when we brought Christian in, we were very particular on how he was positioned. Because the day he came in, Jay Smart, he he created some momentum in his verbal skills, and and we were rolling along. So uh, this was a fun 
Joe and Christian were into this story. I'll say that. So, uh, Rikishi's coming in here. Um, Meltzer would say junior Fatu hasn't signed a deal. They've been trying to get him in full time, but thus far he's only committed to tapings last week. He wanted to use the Kishi name he's been using overseas and on the Indies, but TNA didn't want to risk WWE firing a nasty letter to them. Boy, we've all gotten those. Um, <laughs> junior uh, Fatu, did you feel like he added anything to the, the program here in those seven? It's funny how. I don't know if that was Wade or Dave, but, but, uh, Rikishi never wanted to come on full-time. We never requested he come on full-time. He was always going to be a part-time guy come in and out. Um, he look, and he'll tell you this. I mean, he wanted a lot of money and we knew we couldn't afford it, but we kind of settled on what can we afford for how many dates and how are we going to position that? Because, uh, he was a box office attraction and such a unique box office attraction for WWE. Uh, that, you know, how can he uh, use us and how can we use him? It was, you know, uh, an open relationship, but never a full-time deal was discussed. So the main event is a uh, submission cage match between Angle and Abyss, and if Abyss loses, he has to leave TNA. I guess uh, eventually Abyss gets an ankle lock on Kurt uh, when Macias comes from under the ring. And chokes Abyss with a barbed wire and then hits him in the head with a chair. He gives him a DDT on the chair and uses broken glass to cut him up. Boy, you're just. Totally is, this, is this impact or. Yeah. 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 This is on TV, not a pay per view. Um, Father Mitchell is not with Macias here. Quote James Mitchell didn't appear on camera. He was at the tapings, but was rushed to the hospital after having an allergic reaction to the catering. He was sweating heavily and had a rapid heartbeat and feared he was having a heart attack. He was released after only an overnight stay. Uh, Macias had to make his first two TV appearances without Mitchell's presence. The announcers didn't draw any attention to it or try to explain it. This is a pretty scary sounding deal. What do you remember about this allergic reaction? You know, uh, this isn't funny uh, as far as uh, uh, Brother Jim's allergic reaction. I, I don't have any recollection of this at all. It could have been one of those things that it happened so quickly and they jumped, put him in the car and left. But uh, Monday's cater, we were, used to go down there every other week, so Monday and Tuesday, and on pay-per-view Sundays, it would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. But uh, on Tuesdays, the last day uh, is uh, infamous, infamously known as Taco Tuesday. So maybe there was some bad taco seasoning but uh, on a Monday. But uh, I don't remember Jim. Um, unfortunate for Macias because Jim was his mouthpiece. But I don't recall him not being there for his debut appearances. Meltzer had this to say. There's talk about using Kevin Nash as a wrestler. Ultimately, it's Jarrett's call. Dutch Mantel is against it, feeling he's burned the company on too many jobs in the past. Russo, with his usual not caring about any history, is the one pushing for it because Nash was a star in the late 90s. Was this a big debate internally about what to do with Big Kev? It's funny how I've, I noticed this from time to time on the research that kind of Dave's, I'll call it positioning, if you will, not just from a negative point of view is, but just kind of his positioning. Look, I don't think anybody was vehemently for or against Kevin. And look, there were some times that Kevin, there was a, there was a, a couple of matches, but anyway, uh, it wasn't a big to do. I think that's what I'm trying. It wasn't a big to do. Um, I always thought, 
you know, Kevin, NWO, his stature, his run, he's got something to add. We're not asking him to go out and have a 20-minute X Division match. What can and can't you do? So, But I just don't remember this being a big issue at the time. Next week on Impact, we're going to see um, Macias destroy Ke- uh, Eric Young and Shark Boy before backing down from Rhino. Uh, Ron Killings is going to beat AJ Styles when Pac-Man spray paints AJ in the face. So moving down a little bit more for AJ. Uh, Sting takes a restraining out of order on Karen, probably not the first one she's had, uh, so she wouldn't get involved. Power move there by your baby. Go ahead. I just think it's funny. Here's a baby face getting a restraining order on a lady. Yeah. Uh, Christian is going to be junior Fatu. AJ is going to interfere and help uh, both before they get a stink face for their troubles. You ever take a stink face? I didn't ever. I took it from Dusty. Last pay-per-view of WCW. After all those burritos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Classic TV. Uh, I don't think I ever took the stink face from Kishi. All right. At the September 27th show, Team 3D uh, defeats Shark Boy and Sanjay. The Motor City Machine Guns beat Jimmy Rave and Lance Hoyt before they're attacked by Team 3D. And then finally, Sting and Macias brawl in the main event segment. Kurt's going to attack Sting before Rhino runs in to go after Macias, which leads to a best returning. A lot going on here. And uh, the, 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 the report from the Observer. Is at this taping, several TNA wrestlers, including Homicide, Hernandez, Sanjay Dutt, Chris Saban, and Alex Shelley, have talked of leaving. Management has asked all of them to stay until the two-hour show starts, saying they'll get TV more TV time at that point. A few of them are interested in working in Japan. It's also questionable how long Killings will be staying. He's only committed through the Pac-Man Jones angle, which is bound for glory when Jones's contract expires. Jeff Jarrett's going to make another play with Tennessee Titans to allow Jones to wrestle and actually do something at bound for glory. If Jones is allowed to wrestle, believe it or not, there's at least a decent shot. They would extend his deal. If he's not allowed to wrestle, I don't see an extension as that deal ends with the Atlanta show. So talk to me about this, you know, how upset were some of these players just with the lack of TV time? And is that the way you would just sort of, not pacify them, but explain the vision. Hey guys, I hear you. I know you're frustrated. At but- this stage of the game, the names that you, you know, Sanjay, which it goes without saying our friendship through the years, but, uh, Saban, Shelly, um, uh, others, there were so many guys that were just so super frustrated they wanted to work so you can't really get upset at guys for wanting to work but they also wanted paydays i mean look at you know the adew situation obviously you know i'm on the we're on the outside looking in but those guys they're not complaining about money they're complaining about tv time yeah on the air well it's really exactly the same set of circumstances and and our taping schedule guys were wanting hey can you help us get over to japan can you help us do this can you help us do that it was it was, and we, we, me and you have documented this very well. And, you know, you can go to impact plus and kind of look at the difference just as, as the product grew, but you know, that one hour show crash TV in a lot of ways, it was just a challenge to get guys TV time in meaningful ways. Uh, but there wasn't any big, I don't recall took like this 
big revolt that people were coming in and saying, all right, by God, if you don't put us on TV, we're out of here. I don't remember any of that. Bluechew.com is giving guys confidence all over the world. Trust me. You know, you could use that little extra confidence in the bedroom because of things like stress and anxiety or age, and they can help you too. Listen, start delivering the sunset flip with the confidence that will have your partner tapping out. Listen, they're an online prescription service, no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in that discreet package. It's simple. You go to bluechew.com, you sign up. One of their licensed consultants will talk with you directly there. They'll get you approved. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and you're off and running. The best part, all done online. And if you don't like swallowing pills, no problem. They have chewables as well in tablet form. And uh, they can make sure that you're able to perform your best every time you get the opportunity to have fun. And here it is, the special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code, my world. That's right. All one word at checkout. You only pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code my world to receive your first month free. Go to bluechew.com for more details and safety info. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. So let's talk a little bit about, since you brought it up, the AEW circumstance, because there is a lot of debate about, you know, you're doing this for two reasons. We mean, you've talked about this a lot. What are you trying to get out of wrestling? Are you trying to make as much money as possible? Are you trying to work as little as possible? Or do you really want to be a wrestling star? Do you want to live out your dreams? And I think it's cool to try to have the best of both worlds, but ultimately sometimes it comes down to, you gotta, you gotta pick. And for years and years, it was, well, you can be independent and work whenever you want to against whoever you want to, wherever you want to, and have creative control. Cause that's what big on the Indies is like. You can say yes or no to whatever you want and they'll pay for your travel and they'll pay for your hotel. You can negotiate all that. So you could say, Hey man, uh, I want Delta first class. I want to go on last and I want to go over against this guy. And that's the way a lot of the indie business can happen. You're in more control. It's different when you went to work for WWE, they want to send you developmental. Well, guess where you're going. And if they want you on raw, guess what you're doing. And if they say you got a seven minute match, guess how many minutes you got. Uh, and if they say you're in segment two, I reckon you're in segment two. So you would sacrifice a lot of that creative freedom. And in exchange for that sacrificing of the creative freedom, you probably get more money and guys had to make that sort of concession. They had to pick one or the other, make as much as I can or be in as much control as I can, but you've sacrificed some of that control when you went to work for WWE. Now, having said all of that, I wonder when we hear some of the frustrations and again, you and I are saying this as folks who are on the outside, we're not there. I don't know what's really being said or what's really happening. 
But we're reading that there's some frustration from some of these guys that, hey, I'm making a bunch of money, but I'm not being featured as well as I'd like to be. And I wonder, an old-timer like Jackie Fargo, who was the king of his own domain, he was the top draw in Tennessee for years and years and years. The inspiration for the Lawlers and the Jarrett's and on and on and on. But he was probably also doing it because he made a good living. Where would he land on that? Would he be glad to be the, you mean I only have to work two matches this month and you're still going to pay me a whole bunch of cash? Or, man, I got to be on every TV. I'm a big star. Because it's hard for me to reconcile how an old timer would think about that. Because the old timer in me, or that, that I've heard, I'm not an old timer, but I've heard old timers say, hey, kid, it's all about the money and the miles. Kurt used to say, you get in, you get over, you get out. I hear that. And then I also know that in the nineties, boy, there was a lot of political jockeying for, I want to be the champ. I want to be on top. I want to be in the last segment, but those guys would say, I wanted those spots because I wanted to make the most money. And now the pay scale is so crazy because you're no longer paid on the house. Like forever and ever, the income was based on where you were on the card. And I mean, if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. And how was the house? And now it's all guaranteed money. So to compare is really unfair. Jackie Fargo was never afforded the opportunity to wrestle twice a month and make a button bunch of cash. That wasn't the way that worked, but it does now. How would his old school mentality apply to today's circumstance? Okay. Good question. Believe me, I've kind of. You thought about it. Well, for sure. thought about it, but I've observed it all. It, at the end of the day, it's it's literally red ink, black ink. How, how do you? Be, I mean, it's money and miles and all that being said. There is legitimacy to the the mindset is if I'm not on TV in A slot, B slot, C slot, whatever it is, then in nowadays that renewal that comes up, okay, not you know, there's a, I, I need to get over on TV and, and okay, so it, it's it's. It's not chicken or the egg. It is about money and miles. And and to get the money, it's it's about getting over on TV. So nowadays, to get over on TV is not an accurate statement. It's really to get over. If you get over on social media, you're gonna be you you are going to get on TV. It's it, it, you you have a brand that you and I tell guys when I do seminars. Before social media, you had one outlet that the promoter controlled. You get on TV, you're going to be on TV, and you're going to have three, five, seven minutes, and you better utilize that, and you better be damn sure when they put the pen to paper to write the next show, we want to use this guy on TV again, or same with a uh, a independent show and all that. So you now have the ability through social media to control your brand even if you work for a major company, much more so than you ever have. What I don't understand, Conrad, is this. There are certain individuals right now that if you Google their name, it doesn't come up of a move they did or a character development or this or that. It's they're complaining about not being on TV. So, hey, let me bitch over here and wave this flag and tell people, that know, and more importantly, tell a lot of folks that don't have a clue, hey, I'm not on TV, so let's make, does that make sense, Conrad? Let's shine a light 
on something that's going on in my career. Okay. So then the logical thing is, well, why aren't you on TV? Well, the promoter doesn't want to put you there. So are you going to blame the guy who's writing the check? I just, it kind of boggles my mind, but the Fargo answer is simple. It's about money, but how do you get money? You get over used to say you get over on TV. Now it is. How do you make money? Get over. Oh, I'm not on TV. Okay. Then get over on social media. Hmm. You know, Jeff, there's a, a, a thing around the office that I'll say every now and again. And I feel like, you know, since we're talking about all these folks who maybe aren't happy with their lot in life right now, you know, they, they like their character. They like their coworkers. They like their bosses. They like their income. They like their work schedule. They just don't feel creatively fulfilled. And I get that. I understand that. But I have a, a thing I say around the office that I think applies here based on your point that sure you can express your displeasure and shine a light on the negative, which is never good. Or you could embrace the positive, embrace the solution and look for a way to overcome it. AKA try to get over on social. What I was alluding to is the thing around the office is complaining is not a strategy. I don't think that we're going to, I don't like this. Fold, crumple up sheet of paper, fold my arms, send the an angry tweet. <laughs> Does that fix anything? Does it change anything? It's sort of like peeing in your pants. It matters only to you. It, it, it and I believe in, in the, the age that we live in. And look, you can tell, you can say that I talked to my kids, like social media is an imprint that doesn't go away. Yeah. So when your name is Googled, I go back to the conversation I had with the, the television executive in London. I mean, he flat out went through it and I'm just like, good God. I mean, there's a perfect example. If guys could see this is what, I mean, it's, it's, it is the, it's the paper trail, if you will. Yeah. It's, I love that. Complaining is not a strategy. It's bingo. Not. Bingo. Complaining is not a strategy. And I'm not saying that to be ugly. Nope. To be negative. I just, you know, I really do believe that complaining is not a strategy. And, uh, I hope that, you know, we're not taken out of context here because I, I, I like some of the folks who are frustrated right now. I'm pretty close with, and I'm, I'm friendly with, but I think that that represents an opportunity. As you said, you know, you can huge. You applied it to your own life. Hey man, you didn't think a WWE gig was coming and Hey man, you didn't see the WWE gig going away, but you fucking make the best of it. Yep. And what you find when you do that is hey, there's a bunch of opportunity out here. Oh my God. There's more opportunity in the wrestling industry in 2022 than there's ever been by multiples by multiples. Well, that's 36 years. And counting. That's the, that's the truth, pal. A lot of the adjustments that are made in business and in life that make a big difference are just two millimeters one way or another, right? It's not a major adjustment. So you're saying, let's make a two millimeter adjustment. from not bitching or whining or complaining. And instead invest that time, effort, and energy instead of stomping our foot and folding our arms. Let's go get over on social media and make it to where they can't ignore us. I, I literally, I am baffled 
at the brand strategy that some talent utilize today. I'm baffled. Do they not understand? Um, Never. That's I, I, it's a good question. So I'll, I'll cut you off. Finish your question because I'm probably going to ask your opinion on this. Well, I just want to. I just want. Do you, do you think they don't understand how the guys, the decision makers, put together a card? Why they do it? Do they not understand the decision making process? Do they think it's more uh, diplomatic? It's more. I don't know. I mean, I, I I could see how because, you know, you're trying to curry favor with the audience, right? And you're trying to get a groundswell. Years ago, let's go back ten years. There were guys going to WWE shows holding up signs that said Cesaro section. They were trying to get behind their guy and let the audience at home and the powers that be behind the curtain know we like this guy. He's our guy. That we're sitting in his section. We came to see him. I could see that strategy. And I wonder, do you think the talent who are taking that approach that you disagree with, and I'm not saying it's the right or wrong approach. What the fuck do I know? I do mortgages and podcasts. And you're saying saying they should instead get the audience behind whatever it is they're doing, not let's campaign for change and appeal politically. Ask that again because I a thought just came through my head. I'm going to give you something that happened. Oh, go ahead. Just I'm not asking. I'm just I'm just asking. Do you do you think the talent understands that? I don't. I feel like a lot of the folks who are frustrated right now are fair in venting their frustration. I get it. I understand it. I legitimately do. Like on some level, you could go make a living at a at a variety of wrestling companies, but you maybe went to this company or that company because you had in your mind's eye the way this was going to go. You and I say this all the time off the air because it's my motto in life. The key to life is managing expectations. And these guys had an expectation that, well, if I go to this company or that company, my career and my week to week life will look like this. And now it doesn't. And they're frustrated by that. So they could, I guess, go two ways. I don't think they know that second option is an option to get yourself over on social media, it is a two millimeter pivot because they've all been so used to let's get ourselves over on TV. But if you're not given the opportunity to be on TV, it's sort of like the chicken and the egg, which comes first. And you're saying, no, there's another path here. Get over on social media. They won't be able to ignore you. I mean, for lack of a better word, Dan hasn't yourself. Dan hasn't got over online and got signed. That's what happened, right? I, yes, I was going to say I was on a call overseas. I mean, the, 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 it was in London. Had a conversation Tuesday of this week. During the call, Zoom call, so visual. This guy, well, heck, it's like you, Conrad. What am I thinking? During podcasts, you will Google and pull up facts quicker. And this guy was doing this because we were talking. I'll go ahead and say it. we were talking different talent. All this, he literally goes, "Oh wait, what's this?" Can you get so the the age of instant information is, is readily available? So what do you want the message, Donald Miller, Story Brand? What do you want your brand telling the world? Do you want to be saying, "I don't get the fact that I'm going to wave this flag and tell the whole world I'm not getting TV time"? What? I don't care whose fault it is or isn't. At the end of the day, 
you're shining a big shiny light on something that's not productive for your brand at all. I mean, at all, uh, I, there's no upside to that. So you the know, flip is I love the Dan Housen deal, but you know, to, to go back and you can equate it to every generation, just like we talk sports and Brady in one generation and Jordan in another and pistol Pete schooling everybody and people, you know, them drinking, you know, a case of beer after each game, but the next night Pete goes in and drops 40. It's just, it's a fascinating story on how things are going. But years ago is Lawler and, and Lawler was told one of these stories at Caulfield Iron Club guys that would go to these spot shows and would start getting over. You go, Oh my God, listen to the people respond. And we, and here's the, here's the adage. And we've done nothing with this guy, which right. means they hadn't shot him an angle with him on Memphis TV on Saturday morning. They just put him out there in a three minute squash match and he's kind of getting over, but all of a sudden the, the, you see people at the picture table and you've got a, a line of mile long. They go to the ring and the girls are screaming and the guys are cheering and they're getting, and this guy can work. Oh shit. We got to do something. I mean, the baby face, the, the territory was down and Lawler knew Rick Gibson could work. This is Robert's older brother. who was in a car wreck and cut his career short. They knew they had a guy and all of a sudden Lawler went out him on TV and he was kind of an unknown. Lawler started bouncing all over. You can be made in an instant, but you got to plow the ground to get there. Rick Gibson did it in his day. Nowadays, these guys that aren't necessarily getting the opportunity, don't go in, don't, don't get on this road and go in reverse. You've got 24 hours a day, seven days a week to perpetuate your brand on social media. Go do it. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Well, I mean, listen, I understand, as we talked about, you know, Conrad Thompson, we've done more sidebars today. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know what? We might wind up talking about bound for glory next week. I'm fine with it. This, <laughs> is a good, this is a good conversation today. And oh, it's fun. At it the top fun. of the show, we talked about, you know, bandito and how so many people were questioning, why is this guy getting a shot? And, and that comes from a place of you got so many other talent who aren't on TV. And I get that. But at the same time, Tony Khan has to serve a lot of masters here. You know, he's got some issues behind the scenes where some of his stars are on the shelf and he's unable to showcase them, but he knows he can count on Chris Jericho. And he knows, I mean, he can like when, when this thing first he got off, he built it around Chris Jericho. And now he's trying to invest some oomph into ring of honor who better than Chris Jericho. So I'm all for that, but I could see if I was one of those talents, maybe not even flown the TV and thinking, yeah, I just want to be able to show what I can do. And then he sees bandito go out, become a made man, have a fantastic match and be the talk of the wrestling business and then get a full-time contract offer. According to the reports that we've seen in the observer and other places, I don't know. I'm not there, but think, well, wait a minute. I could do that. I understand how that would be frustrating. Why not me? And I heard a guy in the wrestling business this past year say, you know, as a former talent, I used to think about me, me, me. Now that I'm office, 
I have to think we, we, we. So when you think about we, I get why, okay, we do need some oomph for ring of honor. Why wouldn't we make bandito a ring of honor wrestler feature him, make him with Jericho. That all makes sense to me. I get it. But I could also see where it's like, Hey, wait a minute. We were going to do that with me a year ago and then nothing really happened. So I could see both sides of it. But to your point, you got two strategies about it. You can kick your can down the road and bitch and whine on, on Twitter, or you can go get over on Twitter. And, and, and here's kind of the uh, oxymoron or the reality or the ironic side of this is it takes an ego to get over. It, it just, it, that that's the reality about it is, but I like to say it takes an alter ego. The, 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 the real kind of nuts and bolts of this is take wrestler a, who may not be getting the opportunity. It's very, very difficult. And I, is speak this from a load of experience, but it is very, very difficult to look at the man in the mirror and say, what is my role? I can't control this outside circumstances. I can't control that a promoter A, B, or C has to, you know, answer to this network or uh, to this budget or to this top talent or whatever 15,000 other stories and realities are. What's my role in it? Like what, what can I do to control this? That's really, really hard. Uh, especially for a, a guy in their twenties or thirties to kind of look inward and, and, and identify what can I do to get better? That's really, really, it starts Conrad. You know, that we've talked offline and all kinds of stuff like that. And I've, uh, got a lot of experience of rationalizing, justifying, minimizing every excuse in the book on why this did or didn't happen. The reality is you got to look inward first and then go take, as Tony Robbins says, massive radical action. You know, he takes a lot of heat for it, but Raj Geary of uh, wrestlinginc.com a few weeks ago, maybe tweeted a list and I forget who I was on the list, but the gist was the folks who have quote unquote gotten over the best on AEW are folks who have used more character work than in ring work. Oh, I didn't see this. And the big example was MJF. That MJF is without a doubt, one of the most compelling characters without a doubt, one of the most highest rated segments every week, without a doubt has a ton of attention, fanfare, reaction, heat, whatever you want to call it. But it's not because he's doing crazy in ring matches. Don't get me wrong. He's a fine professional wrestler but it's character work that's really shined through. And I think you could even go back and take a look at what Becky Lynch did when she was hotter than all get out a handful of years ago, pre pandemic. And yes, it was what she did on Twitter, but she developed a lot of that. I mean, not what she did in the ring, but she developed a lot of that on social media. She became effective at using social media for her character. Yep. I just wanted to contextualize what you were saying earlier about, Hey man, if you can't get over on TV, get over on social media. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners who maybe are in the wrestling business would say, how the fuck am I going to do that? Jeff, there's no wrestling rings on Twitter and I'm not booked anywhere else. We're not, (laughs) you're not talking about in ring. You're saying your character work, develop your character, engage your audience, develop that fanfare, create conversation online about you and your character. And hopefully you'll be on TV more, right? Bingo. Uh, don't engage in politics and don't engage in religion. 
But other than that, create as much engagement as possible. Conrad, that's why you're the pod father. Because seriously, without that follow-up, uh, I probably get hate tweets. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, but no, no, I'm just saying realistically. No, you hit it. I, I'm glad you said it because it has nothing to do with the Hurricanrana. I just, but, just say but hang on now. I want to. I want to. I want to explain because I felt the need to say that because we talked about how Chris Jericho helped make Bandito. We didn't say, but that Bandito didn't show us much of his character. He showed us what he could do in the ring, and now we have a reason to care for, about Bandito. But now that he's got that platform, I like you hope he does start to double down on some social media. Let's learn more about the bandito character. That's what it takes. In my opinion, when you go back and you think about your great Austin rock moments, how many of them are what they did in the ring and how many of them are all the Gaga around what they did in the ring? It's all around. You think right now, uh, I love me some Mick Foley. Yeah. At some point I want to see you dude up, but that's kind of the thing you guys got going. But when you think about a silly sock, Oh my God, that I don't want to get too far down because he, the, 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 the king of the rings bumps and. Oh yeah. He did have the space. There, there's so many different in ring components and the funk and all that. But when you think of Mick and this is your life segment and the in ring talking there, but when you, go around the horn and you are out making money selling hard tickets. And I saw it night after night after night, I was on those cards when Mick Foley, just like Jerry Lawler used to do goes dives into his tights and pulls out a chain. If I'm Lawler or pulls out this white sock, that is the emotional connection. And now you've got bandito who, which you great analogy, the glue, of Jericho and gave him the platform and now Ocho Jericho. And he's always evolutionizing himself and everything that goes with it. And, and look, Bandito tapped out. And so uh, lesson to the words out there, we're talking about Dito this episode, he tapped. So just winning and losing, it isn't the end all be all. Yes, it matters, but it isn't the end all be all. But now Bandito has got to take that look and, and what is a bandito in Hispanic and how can you create some memes? And I mean, there's so many different things. I'd love to be in a room with him and say, Hey man, let's throw a hundred ideas on this whiteboard today. Now we're not leaving here until we come up with a hundred different ideas for you to do on social media. And the room would probably get uncomfortable and we would order Uber eats probably three times. But once we got a hundred, all we need is about three. I just wanted to add some context because I know we talked about the light that got shined on bandito, but now that he has our attention, it's up to him to keep that momentum going. Uh, if we're going to hope these days now more than ever, you know, I understand that once upon a time and maybe this still happens. I don't know. I'm not there. Once upon a time you show up at the building at 12 o'clock, some guy in a tie comes over, hands you three sheets of paper that are highlighted and stapled together and says, here's what you're doing tonight. And then you do it and then you go back to your hotel room and then you make the next town and then you show up to the building and they say, okay, it's you and Kofi and y'all got 12 minutes and he's up. Okay. And then, but it's the in-between that matter, right? It's the, what are you doing with all that other time? Yes. You're probably getting your, your diet dialed in and planning for food on the road. And, and yes, you're working your ass off out and you got, got a personal trainer for the first time at 55 and look better than ever or whatever. 
but but you're also trying to use this vehicle you have because so much of the wrestling conversation, even the genesis of AEW, was born off of social media. Like the whole way all in became a thing or a series of tweets with Dave Meltzer answering questions about what was possible or not possible and Cody responding. And then one thing leads to another. And they announce on social media they're running a big show called All In. And they promote it on social media and YouTube. And it sells out immediately without TV. And that gets everyone's attention. And now AEW is a thing. AEW was born out of not having a television company. Like AEW, when they announced they were a thing, did not have a television deal. They ran their first pay per view without television. They put it on YouTube. The hype, the build, the promotion, the stories. You can do all of that too. I say that because we just did that for Ric Flair's last match. Not even closely comparing in the two. There's no comparison, my God. But I'm just saying what we're doing. And I'm 55. So that's that's building block one. (laughs) If you two old fuckers can tell a story on social media and, and, and YouTube, everybody can. And I just, I really do appreciate that you said, Hey man, take a different approach because honestly, and I mean this sincerely, that wasn't something I would have thought of. Now I am friends with somebody on the main roster who last year was pretty frustrated with their spot and said, Hey, you're pretty creative. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, what if you did a series of skits and vignettes and put them on YouTube? Well, I don't think they'd let me do that. Well, if you put it on social, everybody sort of lives on social. Why don't you just do it there? And there was lots of talk about what that could or, or, or would look like, but it's character stuff. It's not matches. So I just wanted to add that context to a lot of guys get over in the ring. And I, I, I hear you. But the way to really make people want to see you in the ring is they've got to care about your character. And it's the old adage in sales. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. You got to make people care. Because here's the thing. You've been to meet and greets. You've been to these conventions. Danhausen has a line a fucking mile long. What's your favorite Danhausen move? Ask any Danhausen fan. Oh, when he puts the curse on him. <laughs> Y'all, that's character work. And Mick Foley to this day is selling athletic socks. This is a guy who did every crazy move in the history of wrestling. And he's still over like Rover for doing a dude love shuffle and signing socks. And he makes more money now signing socks and doing dude love shuffles from a seated position. (laughs) <laughs> he did when they were throwing him off a of shit back in the day. That's real. Yeah, it's absolutely real. I, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking of example after example after example. Road Dog, what's he known for? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. But the thing that came to my mind is you were talking about the Melcher tweets and the Cody and that, that whole situation, the Genesis. Dutch Mantel, I've heard this story. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. But But my old man, too. Monday, more money was made between Memphis and Nashville because that's when my dad wrote TV. He would leave the leave the matches on a Monday night. Lawler tell you the same thing, but it's that it's that 
creative collaborative effort. Hey, what if we do this? It's just a different stage now, as opposed to, you know, uh, a Saturday morning angle or a tweet about, you know, you just kind of put things in context. I mean, Cody had seven, eight years in WWE bucks, super hot on the independent scene. New Japan had a buzz of all buzzes in a lot of ways in 15, 16, 17, all, all that. So it, it's, it's, it's all in kind of taking it, you're taking a step out and viewing the industry and saying, okay, um, I don't have to tell you, I don't know if you're much of a TikToker, Conrad, but that platform is today. Now it may change. There is the creators on TikTok are blowing past Twitter and Instagram uh, as far as monetization. So it's really a, a TikTok star and I'm getting in a rabbit hole, but I've got a whole, I bet I've got 30 pages of different notes uh, uh, on different ideas. The next star will come from social media. And I'm talking about Cena hasn't been replaced in my opinion. The next star is coming from social media. Well, uh, and listen, Becky's run when it got crazy. And to that point, I mean, even the, 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 give the women a chance divas revolution women's revolution like all of that stuff born out of social media the daniel bryan yes 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 aew just as a whole um i mean look at the rise of eddie kingston by the way eddie kingston's been doing the same shit you see on aew right now on the independence for 20 fucking years you know yes. how because I, I saw it yep the difference is he had one opportunity on tv and everyone started talking about it on social and he kept that momentum going and he's still doing it. And I'm just so happy for his success, but he met to use a Jr. thing. He maximized his minutes on TV yes, sir. and then he kept the conversation going on social media and he's continued to maximize his minutes. But I, I, I appreciate that we're in a unique time in the business where, you know, back in your day in the, in the Fargo era and whatnot, all of your money was based on. How did the ticket sales go? Where was I on the card? You're paid as a part of that. Now you're just, you're kind of paid to not work anywhere else. You know, we want you to be here on our program and be a part of what we're offering and we'll holler when we need you. But if you want to be needed more, we got to get that fan demand up. And if they're not writing it for you on TV, what's wrong with maybe coloring outside the lines a little bit, doing it on social character wise. Another thing, I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't know how many years ago it was, but just the conversation. And now I saw Brandon Thurston and and, and the ratings, but they have the YouTube views yeah. rating. And look, I'm not saying uh, Wrestler X over here, you're going to go get 1.2 million views. You, you got to have a machine like a WWE uh, or an AEW. You got to have the brand behind it and all that. But you can get traction. Don't discount. Uh, Taylor Swift, unbelievable talent, set records, and, and I think she was still in her teens when she responded to this way. Uh, you know, how did you really start things? Uh, MySpace, and you go, what? Yeah, she. this is how far back it goes. She responded to every person that would come in on her music on MySpace. Toby Keith, I'll never forget that. Toby, you got any advice for me? We're here at the first show of TNA, June 19th, 2002. 
There'll be a lot going on. We're going to do this. I appreciate it. I just kind of wanted to create a little sentimental moment for me and my bud. Hey, man, you got any advice on building this brand? Yep, Jeff. And I'm giving it a real quick synopsis. Uh, know your fan base and earn them one at a time. That's always, I, that is such a staple. It's a quote that I'll never forget. Know your fan base and earn them <clears throat> one at a time. It still rings true today. It well said, always- Jeff. And, you know, you go back and you look at even a company like Pro Wrestling Tees. You know, they've become a juggernaut in wrestling. How many TV commercials you seen for them? <laughs> it's social media. And they've created a lot of revenue with, for a lot of guys with their help because they've promoted it effectively through social media. So I don't know how we got sidetracked today. Of course, we were hoping to talk All about day. All day we got sidetracked. It was a good show, though. Hey, I had fun. And, and by the Can way, I, I, want, I want to be... Let me say this. I want to wrap this up or try to put a bow on it. Uh, we are not, or I am not being critical of anyone who's frustrated with their place in wrestling. Like, uh, anybody who's been paying attention to mortgages knows that rates have freaking doubled this year. I'm pretty frustrated with that. Uh, but there's two approaches. Uh, we can try to adapt and figure out, all right, uh, what's a new approach. And I think that's probably needed for some folks right now who, you know, at the scheme, in the scheme of things, your family, hopefully you're healthy mentally, physically, you're being compensated well, and you're really close to being creatively fulfilled, hopefully one way or another. And that one way could be your own way on social. Well said, Jeff. I mean, you, well, Conrad, I, I wouldn't have seen that. I'll be honest. Like I, I came into this conversation saying, Hey man, the old timers would probably say, just shut up and get paid, but that's not really why they got into it. And no. we talked about that before. And I don't think that's necessarily, oh, you should just be happy. You're getting a check. I don't think that anybody is just happy getting a check because you understand that's a temporary circumstance. That check won't be there forever. Like unless you're doing things well and you feel creatively fulfilled and you're happy. And by the way, money's not the most important thing. Like most of these guys are making more money than ever before. And they're still not happy. So that tells you it's not the most important thing. It is important, but it's not the most important. But the idea that, Hey man, just use social media. You're exactly right. Like MJF does it well. Uh, Becky Lynch did it phenomenally a few years ago, and that was responsible in large part, I think, for the way her character changed. You know, Conrad, I love my my, my quotes. Maybe aggravate you from time to time. Sometimes it aggravates, but I, I'm just a big believer, and you can slice it and dice it any different way, but I'm a big believer, and I'll just, you know, Every problem is really an opportunity to reinvent yes. yourself. It just, that's, that's the reality. I, I, you know, I hear you that I, I think, oh, uh, save with double J.com is probably put on pause, but Hey man, maybe there's a different way <laughs> for us to sell mortgages, but no, it, it is life's going to throw curveballs and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I'm going to go back to how you kind of were putting a bow on this. If you think for a minute, I'm pointing a finger at anybody because I'm as much or more talking 
my brain's talking to my soul in that, look, uh, my summer internship, I had an opportunity to uh, view that one of two ways. In reality, what a blessing in so many ways. You know, if I could go back to May sitting this this exact seat and the conversations I was having, April and May, and then all of a sudden I get a call from somebody and, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, okay. All that was put on pretty much pause. I go do this 90 days, 100 days later with SummerSlam and Ric Flair's last match, and now what the stuff we're talking about is, you, man, look inward, guys. That, that's what I'm trying to help. Uh, I'm going to say is I ain't pointing fingers. I'm literally trying to help because there are guys out there with unbelievable talent that have an opportunity because they have, some of them have massive followings. I mean, they literally have all the tools in their toolbox. Just go to work. Let's contextualize because sometimes, you know, I know, as you like to say, the story behind the story, and I have gotten pretty good at speaking, Jeff. You're great at it. (laughs) Let let me, let me speak Jeff and translate what you just said in my country, Alabama speak. Can I do that? Roll Tide. Boys and girls, I, Jeff Jarrett, was working on a whole bunch of shit. Some shit I can't talk about on this program because we're not ready to release it. But some of it's overseas, some of it's international, some of it's domestic, some of it's video games, and some of it's with this fat guy who's not on camera today because he's sick. And I had to effectively put all that on pause because I got a really great offer. And that fat guy once said on this very program, hey, you know, sometimes you have to give up a little bit of control, but you sacrifice that in exchange for a pretty good payday. Well, I did that for 90 or a hundred days with the WWE. And then when that payday went away, I just dove knee deep back into everything I was working on before. And it turns out I'm more excited about that than I was with the decision I made to sacrifice for the cash because there's more opportunity and I'm just happier and more fulfilled creatively doing what I'm doing now. So the grass ain't always greener. You're going to make some choices and some choices will be made for you, but how you respond to that is up to you because you were pretty damn excited pre WWE. It wasn't too hard to get back excited and now even more excited than you were with the benefit of having seen the other opportunity. Well said, my friend, well said. Well, listen, I hate that we didn't get to uh, Bound for Glory 2007. We talked about a lot of the current wrestling stuff. We will do that next week. Uh, I'm sure that's going to frustrate Derek, but. Yes, we uh, will get to Bound for Glory 07. I want to know what you're going to title this episode. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about, I mean, I think the word concussions have to be in there. You know, because we spent a lot of time talking about that. Oh, man, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Listen, I don't know what we're going to call it, but I know that I enjoyed the conversation and I kind of positioned myself as the first listener on these shows. And as the first listener of these shows, I was pretty entertained. And I want to remind everybody, if you're looking for some more entertainment, you need to watch vice tonight. It's the Memphis story. It's called Memphis. When wrestling was real, there's actually another episode, I believe coming out next week. That's all about Andy Kaufman. It's fantastic. Uh, there's more insight on the Andy Kaufman stuff than you've ever seen or heard before some fantastic stuff. But tonight you're going to hear some stories that I've heard about. I didn't hear any new stories, but the recreations were unbelievable. Now I didn't hear any new stories. 
because this time a year ago, I was knee deep in Memphis research to go sit down with your dad. And I asked about, well, the time where he went after a man's eye who came after him with a straight razor in the middle of a match on live TV and another promoter put him up to it. And the guy who came in was not only an old school, bad guy, but a movie star. This guy is in movie posters. And if you don't know the story of Mario Galento, you need to watch tonight. It is an unbelievable story. And it's one of many, you want to hear about the macho man getting in a fight with a dog at the waffle house. That's on tonight. Uh, I mean, there's so many unbelievable stories and some of the funniest rib stories. There was a rib story in there. I had never heard one of the funniest I've ever heard tonight. I don't want to give a spoiler. Okay. Let's just say somebody had a, 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 a plan for Mr. Fargo and a little birdie got in Mr. Fargo's ear and he reversed course on it. And your dad and Tojo were not tickled with the results. Love it. To say the least. I love it. Check it out. It's tonight. Uh, it's not dark side of the ring, but it is from those fabulous directors, Jason and Evan. They put that show together. They created some really special episodes that are just celebrating the territories. So if you didn't like dark side because it was a downer or it was negative or painted the business in a bad light, if you want some good old fashioned storytelling and some phenomenal recreations, I can't recommend it. 10 out of 10, some of the best wrestling content you can consume. And it comes out tonight on vice. So how about that, Jeff? It's awesome. I mean, the car service from my house to the airport. The Listen to you. Had. Oh, sorry. I, that, that was a, that's a slip. Conrad, I'm, I'm just kidding because the flight was 38 minutes, but sitting on private, uh, you know, all that was Conrad. It was nice travel. I mean, and you know, with you having the spread you got up there on the lake, you got a big enough backyard for a runway. Tell the truth. Here's how, you know, that, that Jeff Jarrett has hashtag first world problems, true or false your backyard next to the pool and the outdoor grilling pavilion and the giant water slide from the second deck, uh, and the big boat dock true or false. You've had helicopters land in your backyard on the lake. Conrad true or false. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be true. A helicopter has landed in the backyard a few times. Did you have the creators of dark side of the ring? Did you text the rock or as you call him Dwayne? Oh, you know, Dewey, you mean Dewey, Dewey, send the <laughs> chopper to pick me up and take me to the private jet at oh, national internet at national private. You stop. I'm just saying, you stop boys and girls. We'll be back next week. Talking all things bound for glory. 2007. I hope you guys have enjoyed, uh, you know, a, a little change of pace. And I hope this weekend you'll go check out some of the triple stuff we've been talking about. We really celebrated bandito. If you missed that match with him and Chris Jericho, go watch it. Uh, but triple mania right around the corner. I got great feedback from last week's episode. All of my friends are trying to learn. I am too. I just, I I saw a great thread. Our friend on Twitter, Alan posted with all the great Santo posters from back in the day. Uh, It's just, it's, I cannot wait because I think this time next year, or I don't know, whatever it may be, but I'll just kind of, kind of throw this that I think a lot of folks that listen to this podcast, Cause it doesn't happen overnight, but I think 
just Lucha Libre is a whole new world. And it's as if, you know, oh, boy, I'm going to tell on myself. Do you know, to this day, I've never seen a Jason Bourne movie. I've only seen one. I've only seen one. So, but there's different uh, movies that you got to go watch this version or, or this, all this. I have, I didn't watch Yellowstone. Karen's begging me to watch Yellowstone. That's great. It's a whole new world of Lucha Libre. If you like professional wrestling. Yes. I just, I just, what I'm just trying to say is don't go by your expectations of, oh, that's a bunch of scrambled eggs or whatever it may be. I'm telling you. Those two podcasts on, uh, it, we just scratched the surface, but it is. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited. You're going to have a blast when you go down, Conrad. I'll just I, say that. I'm excited. I can't wait to, uh, to be there and to see it and to experience it. And what I'm most excited about, and I think, feel like you made a great analogy there. My wife and I just decided to watch Animal Kingdom on TNT. It's the show's over, like it's completed, not like season finale, but series finale. But when I saw a few people talking about it on social, I remembered Kevin Nash and Eric Bischoff and my parents, they've all mentioned that they watched the show. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll try it. I got so excited about it. And the wife did too. We binged the thing. And I feel that that enthusiasm right now within me about Lucha Libre, because, you know, I, I know a lot about WCW and the NWA and ECW, and I'm learning a lot about Memphis and you know, I watch all the AEW and WWE shows. So learning about Tripla has been like, I found a new show and I'm really excited about it. And it's been a lot of fun and I'm excited to continue to do that. And it did make me laugh that they reported on it in the observer. <laughs> Conor Thompson says he's going to be at triple mania. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and, but Jeff Jarrett says he will not be, but it could be a swerve, which made me laugh. Like you just said here on the show. No, I got another booking. So, uh, and maybe your booking is just to go to Knoxville, sit in the stands and show Cody the longstanding family tradition, son, every third Saturday in October, we sing that song for three quarters and then we get deadly silent in the fourth quarter (laughs) as the steam roll. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's not come to blows. You're not feeling well today. Roll Tide. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry about the uh, the pivot today. I've got uh, 14 pages left of notes. Yes. Bound for Glory 2007. So we'll get to it next week. Sorry about the sidetrack, but uh, I had fun just catching up with you today. And, you know, if I didn't feel like shit, we'd just make this a five-hour show. But as you can tell, I feel like shit. But I'll feel better next week talking to all things Bound for Glory 2007 right here on my world. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.